for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Okay, let's uh, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Let's just talk about Noah Freitel, if we could, or I don't know, maybe something else. Can you hear that? Not really, no. Okay. The Beatles birthday oh, the song. Birthday. Yeah, <laughs> happy birthday! It was my birthday. Yes, you you mentioned right. to me, like, of course, Facebook told me, you know, the second I woke up today, ish, that it was your birthday, and I, I'll admit it. I at first, now that now Facebook actually, uh, you know, will like will lay it out for you. Here's a few pictures of you and Matt, so you can wish him happy birthday with these pictures of you <laughs> and him, and you know, my husband Gilbert. And I was like, I could do that. No, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. That's a little bit much. That's a little schmaltzy. I'm sure everybody else. You knew you were gonna. Everybody see me else. Today. I knew I was gonna see you today. I was a little disappointed when you mentioned to me that it was your birthday, uh, in just in the middle of a conversation about what you're doing tonight. And then I thought, uh, I guess this is my end to tell you happy birthday. But I, I wanted I to, I, I was... wanted to save that incredible Beatles bit right there, <laughs> uh, start of the podcast. So I did, and now that's over. But how do you feel? Forty-two, right? Forty-two. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I'm it's, 43. So. It sounds a hell of a lot older than I feel. I'm yeah. guessing you can relate to that. Uh, yeah. I don't feel like an old man necessarily, but 42, God, when I was a kid, 42-year-olds were almost dead. You know. I have an uncle who's like almost 70 now, and when I, he was about 60, 65, and he doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can say it. My uncle Jeff, who's a lot like one of your uncles, those bachelor uncles, crazy uncles, he, uh, he, he would say this about, and Jeff is old. He's old and he looks old. He's lived, he's, you know, he's drank a lot, he's smoked a lot, and he's overweight. He looks like a guy who's old and uh, has done a lot of damage to his body and face just by not being a very healthy person. And he says that, and he knows this too, of course, and he says that uh, every time I look in the mirror, it's just, uh, it's, I can't believe it. He said, I, I, I can't believe it. I don't feel like this. It's only when I look in the mirror. Uh, and it's kind of like um, the, uh, the movie about Schmidt with Jack Nicholson, where at the, near the beginning of the movie, he says, every, look, every morning I look in the mirror and I think to myself, who is this, who's this old person staring back at me? Um, but I don't think we're quite there. I don't quite. We, I don't think we're quite there we'll yet. We'll get there. We'll get it's there. It's just the number that's like what's going on. So I don't know. You got to feel all right. Do you like the, all the birthday wishes that you're getting today? The, uh, are you going to do anything special tonight? Well, we had like I mentioned to you earlier. Arthur goes and spends a weekend with uh, his dad this weekend. So we kind of had our little family birthday party last night, and it was very very nice. Um, Arthur had picked out a Ghostbusters-themed birthday cake for me. Okay. He got me a He-Man action figure as his present from him to me. There was a dinosaur inflatable balloon to decorate the kitchen with. So basically, Arthur threw me the kind of birthday party that he would <laughs> enjoy. And uh, I was very pleased with that. In, in no way was I disappointed by any of that. Right. Did you? I'm sure you liked Ghost. Well, first of all, I'm sure you liked Ghostbusters growing up. Who didn't? We, we recently showed Arthur the new Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters Afterlife, the one that just came yeah. out. Because I had shown him the first two, and he liked them. Those were 
he's now old enough to where he no longer requires everything he watches to be animated. But you know how uh, when kids are like, oh, like yeah. if it's not cartoons, they don't want to watch it. Yeah. Um, Ghostbusters was one of the first live action movies that he enjoyed. Like he was like, that was fun. I liked that. And so we showed him the second one and he liked that one too. And then we told him, hey, there's a new Ghostbusters coming out. And, you know, because they started teasing it like a year before it came out. And so he would periodically ask me, when's that new Ghostbusters movie coming out? And then it finally did, and we rented it on Amazon Prime or whatever because we didn't take him to the theater. And uh, he loved it even more because the new one, I'm assuming you haven't seen it yet, much more geared towards kids. The, like, heroes of the, of the story are children. And uh, the, the original Ghostbusters all make appearances, but it's, it's about these kids kind of taking over as the new yeah. Ghostbusters. And he loved it so much. And so we've watched it like three times in the last couple of weeks, and okay. it's kind of been top of mind for him. So the, ca- the cake has a, the, the Ghostbusters car and the, the ghosts on it. And I've got, yes, thank you. Thank you, Atea. And uh, uh, I recently bought him a uh, toy car model of the, the, the car, the Ecto-1. Like the car model, you have to, you know, they give you the pieces and you have to assemble it. Yeah. Except it's once you assemble it, then it, it you can play with it. Like it's not just a thing you have to sit there. It, you know, has wheels and the doors open and it has the, the you know, Ghostbuster guns and the trap on it and everything. And <laughs> it's his new favorite toy. He never stops playing with well, it. Well, so. I'm glad it's something you both can mutually enjoy. Yeah. Uh, it's good to have that little connecting. She, he's five, right? Yes. He's five. He's very thoughtful. Like, the, I don't know, the one time I think I've been to your house since he moved in. He had a some sort of a oh it was my birthday that was it it was uh, it was my birthday and I can't remember if we had gone out to eat and then we came back to your house for that sounds right a quick after drink or after meal pop and then yeah Arthur was there with, he, made, he made like some sort of card for me and showed me his room oh, with his slide right. and I he was all excited right. to show off his room and that's that's pretty good any other presents yeah I got a bunch of <laughs> Jen got me a. Well, she said also this was Arthur's idea. She got me one of those wearable blankets. I thought like you were going to say wearable that's... something else. No. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's like a like a big heavy like sweatshirt. Kind of, yeah, basically okay. a Snuggie. Right. Uh, I wore it last night while we watched uh, the Lego movie part two. Okay, how was that? And again, Arthur, big, big fan. Okay. It's very comfortable, but it, as, as an overweight 40-year-old, I got warm very quickly. <laughs> um, and yeah. then uh, Jen got me like a couple of books and, you know. Uh, well, it's great that you're uh, – you're gonna to go to the gym after this on your birthday. You're not gonna let yourself go. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Like a little late have for that, some, I think. Have but some yeah, maintenance. We're... All right. Well, it is a big night. Uh, the Jackrabbits are playing, and that's your beat. Augie USF are playing. That used to be both of your beats, and uh, you, you've decided to just cover it all from home. And I guess do stories on both, which uh, to me is a good. Wait, well, I, I thought my thought was you're doing this because you're. Uh, basically appeasing all fan bases, the one that you primarily cover, uh, which, you know, let's not lie, has, is, is a Division One team and has a little bit more demand and a bigger readership, but also, hey, it's a big game for those other two th- entities, Augie and USF, no matter what the situation or the records are, and you have often still at least gone to that game, and you're uh, going to, you know, you're not going to choose one, you're choosing them all. I, I thought that's what you were doing, and then, no, you're actually using your birthday as an excuse. I specifically told you not to say that on this podcast. <laughs> okay, I'll edit it out then. <laughs> uh, but, all right. I forgot about that part. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. I mean, it's like, 
it's it's not really any of those things. Like I have, I still have some other stories I'm working on this week. I can't make it to every game anymore. You know, that used to be a thing that I did, and yeah. I'll be at the Jacks game on Saturday. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm trying to keep tabs on a couple different games tonight. I'm also working on a, a feature story on Zeke Mayo that'll be in Sunday's paper, so that's part of it too. And uh, I was working on some some other things and you know when there's only two of you and all the stuff you got to do yes. you can't do as much traveling right. as you always did before yep only two writers sports writers at the Yargus so all right Jax Noah Friedel let's just get let's rip the band-aid off they're 14-0 they're awesome uh, a lot of things are going to come down to the Summit League tournament they're probably not going to get an at-large bid right they got to we're not at that point unlike the women that, that a men's I team I mean if they won out and then lost They'd be like twenty nine and four or like something. Championship game. Yeah. I mean, they got to make it to the I, championship. I would game. never completely rule and rule it out. I mean, I, I I'm a big big believer in never say never say never say never, but it's probably not going to happen. They're probably going to have to win the Summit League tournament. Okay, and having said that, they are going to win the regular season. Uh, they're almost in. Invincible, right? I mean, they're going to win the regular season, right? Well, yeah. I think they clinch it if they win tonight, and if they don't, then it would be one more after that. And they're good and, candidates to go. Undefeated. They might lose in Tulsa. They still got to go play Oral okay, Roberts in Tulsa. That's the toughest but, one. But either way, we're looking at, you know, 17-1, and 16-2, and two, something like that. And as we all know, they've been doing this all without Noah Friedel. And be, because they're this good, because they're rolling, because many of their games are blowout or comfortable wins, then and because it's such a it's such a mystery, it is compelling. It is I don't know if it's polarizing. I think you've kind of mentioned how polarizing it is. It's polarizing from fans the way you cover it, as you mm-hmm. said. Like mm-hmm. either you can't cover it because it's too delicate, or you've got to cover it more because that's your we, fucking we job. Want, we want to know. Yeah. yeah, we want to know what's going on, and uh, and 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 nothing happened for a while, which elevated the mystery, but it also kind of made things kind of stagnant and hanging there, and then all. All of a sudden he plays. Mm-hmm. How many games had it been since he had not played, and then he and then all of a sudden he gets in late in the game. Last he had week? not played at all for eleven consecutive games. Wow! And then he kind of so I mean, uh, and this was a home game. It's almost right? two months. Yeah. This was last Saturday when he got in. No, Thursday was the first okay. one. That was at Denver. Uh, d- describe that moment. I mean, it's, it's well, it's funny. I was. Uh, c- you know, because of mirror scheduling, I was at Frost Arena covering the women because both games were going on at the same time, and I'm sitting there at press the press table covering the women's game with the men's game just like the the live box score refreshing I wasn't watching video of the game just the live stats and Jen had come with me that night to take photos and so and she was done taking her photos from that game and was sitting next to me at the table editing her photos on her laptop and I was like paying attention I think I was just watching the game on the court she looks over on my screen and says, does that say that Noah Friedel is in the game? And I look over, and sure enough, his name is on there. I'm, what, what the hell? You know? And like 10 seconds after we noticed that, it says Noah Friedel, three pointer, good. And I'm like, what's going on? You know? And we check in and, you know, look a little closer, and it's okay. He came in with two minutes left, and the Jack's up by 25, hit a couple three pointers, and that was that. I had not had a conversation with Hendo in a while, so I didn't really know anything about it. Um, but I was like, okay, he played. He got into the game. And I thought about texting Hendo that night or calling him the next day, Friday. But I was like, you know what? They're coming home to play on Saturday. You know, they'll obviously we'll be talking to Hendo in the press conference after that. We'll find out. Um, Saturday, every, you get there, kind of like, is he going to start? 
You know, did, did something change? Is he back in good graces or whatever? Um, but no, he did not start, and he did not play in the first half, and he did not play until we get down to the Jacks. Once again, built a huge lead. They're up by 25 because they always are. And with two and a half minutes left, uh, Hendo gestured to the bench very subtly for obviously, like, empty the bench. You know, it wasn't for any one guy in particular, but whatever the, the, the signal was, he gave it. And Friedel... David Winget and uh, Aaron Fegan all got up and got off the bench and came into the game and played the last two minutes. And Friedel jacked up a 30-footer that was not really a good look. Uh, missed another shot, got a couple rebounds. Didn't look too happy to be out there, to be honest with you. I mean, I couldn't – the Thursday game I wasn't watching. You know, I was just watching the box yeah. score, and he made two three-pointers. I'm sure he was happy to make two three-pointers, and I'm sure he maybe, uh, you know, shot a glance Hendo's way. I, I don't know. Uh, but that was like, holy cow, he hasn't played in two months. He comes in and nails back-to-back three-pointers. Then in this game, he comes out, goes 0 for 2, and like I said, he didn't really look happy to be out there. I don't know if it was uh, if he felt like you know, a, a home game, just getting thrown in for garbage time, if that felt condescending, you know, like, or, you know, like, a, like a token thing. That, I don't know if he thought after scoring those six points in Denver that, hey, maybe I'm going to really, gonna get a chance to really play now. I don't. I don't think – in fact, I know Hendo didn't tell him and, that. And by the so I don't way, know why he would think that. Has but, he been off limits to talk to media-wise? Um, probably. I haven't asked. Okay. I mean, probably. Um, so I don't know what – but anyway, um, asking Hendo about it at his weekly press conference on Tuesday, um, he just said, no, nothing has changed. That is his role. Um, as far as why that role went from being completely on the bench to getting a couple of garbage, times minute, garbage time minutes – uh, what I was told uh, by someone on the staff is basically that was offered to Noah, and he was like, sure, okay. Playing garbage time is better than not playing at all. That's what I was told. I wouldn't say that that's, like, set in stone a fact, but that's what I was told. Um, and then uh, Zach Borg asked Hendo at the press conference on Tuesday, well, okay, he got into a couple games now. Does that mean there's a chance for his role to expand, for us to see more of him? And Hendo shot that down pretty definitively. He said, at this point in the year, everyone's role is pretty much set. And they're winning. I mean, it's, right. it's uh, there's a lot of directions we could go from here, but part of this is 14-0 in the league, many of them by blowout. And I, uh, I sometimes, you know, similar situations in the past have come where there are persons coming off of injury, no matter what the sport, no matter what the level. Someone's coming off of injury or a suspension or something, and the team's been doing just fine without him or her. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes roll my eyes, especially if it comes from a company line, somebody within the team or program. But it's it's actually pretty true. It, th- it could throw off the rhythm that mm-hmm. has been developed. You know, like, um, I, I, especially with something as delicate as Noah Friedel, if he did get like just cracked the starting lineup or even just came off the bench as a sixth man-ish, you wonder, right. okay, he it's been so long since he's played, he's raring to go and be this force that he was before. And also, everybody wants to win. I mean, it's obviously a team that seems to be cohesive and likes winning and they do good teamwork or else they wouldn't win. Uh, that, well, we gotta, we gotta keep Noah happy or uh, we, wanna get, we wanna get Noah in rhythm uh, you know, or, you know, we, we, it's, it's, it's a, it, it'd be a delicate dance to do. Maybe it right. wouldn't be as hard as I'm explaining if he became no, a regular I mean, factor again. I mean, he's a talented player, and, you know, if there wasn't this thing hanging over every, you know, whatever it was that he did that got him benched, if that wasn't part of this discussion, you know, 
it's pretty obvious Hendo wasn't just going to decide one day, like, oh, we're better off with you not in the lineup. Like, he had to adjust once he decided Hendo, or, uh, that Noah wasn't going to be part of the rotation. So, in theory, he could adjust back, but he made that decision a long time ago. Now, like you said, they're in this rhythm. They've won 14 games in a row. Uh, it is hard to envision, like, well, how would you do that? You know, if you did decide you were going to bring him back, how would you do it? You can't just – I don't think you can just put him back in the starting lineup because – you know, what do you say to Zeke Mayo or Charlie Easley or whoever? Like, oh, you know, we're making a change. It's working. You know, now I look at it and say, okay, well, you don't want to, you know, make him back into his, his old role. He's not going to start or be the sixth man or whatever. But, geez, the guy can clearly shoot. We saw that he comes in after a two-month layoff and hits three two yeah, threes right away. that is impressive. So it does kind of make you think, like, well, at the very least, just kind of keep him on guard as a – designated three-point shooter you know like uh like what a steve kerr used to be back in the day or a craig hodges you know those guys that okay they, they come in to shoot a couple three-pointers because that's what you need you're losing you know you need some offense but you know having said that it, it Hendel made it pretty clear he's not going to do that and i think the reason obviously is they have other guys to do that you know this team is 14 and 0 and, you know, the hypothetical I've brought up with some people is, what if you get in the Summer League tournament and you're down by 10 points, you know, late in, in, in the second half of a game? You know, wouldn't it be great to have Noah Friedel come in and shoot some threes? Sure, it would, but so could Baylor Shireman. So could Zeke Mayo. So could, you know, the guy we don't talk about as much as Matt Mims is a guy who was on the fringe of the rotation. He has essentially taken on that role as the first shooter off the bench. He's shooting 55% from three-point range. You know, there are other guys to do that. Now, so you, I think that's how it's going to go. Now, when you first said that, can, we're, we're envisioning Summit League tournament, and they're desperate. They know they have to win, still have to win the Summit League tournament, right. probably to get into the NCAA tournament, or at least envision a quarterfinal or semifinal game where we know they at least have to get to the championship game to get an at-large tournament bid. They're probably and, and they're large, desperate. Yeah. They're down by multiple possessions, and uh, they they are desperate for a scoring force. And that literally, the season or whatever you consider a successful season is on the line. And when you first said we've got other people to do that, we've got Baylor Shireman. My first thought was. Yeah, but the the defense, the other teams, these teams, uh, whether they're capable of doing it or not, they know that uh, they've got to guard that guy. Like, they're going to try to make it really hard for Shireman. It's always good to have more options than what are the top one or two options. And and then part of me thought, uh, you know, again, it's – you should be good. You should be good enough and have enough of the. You have if you're the leading three-point shooting team in the country, you have multiple options already, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you've now and you've remained that way uh, with Noah Friedel's absence. And by the way, if he came back in, it's not like he'd be some guy who's never played before, who yeah. they've never seen on film before, right. who they'd have no idea would uh, would not would, would be this good and this capable of scoring points. That they wouldn't guard him. They they just let, right. they, they know who he is. Right. They would play defense right. on right. him. Right. So um, I mean, either way, that's how it is. What um, wasn't there a moment in the in the home game, the second game he was back, where it felt like a defining moment where he was uh, a long way away from the hoop? And I mean, I just said he took a shot that was kind of a you know. I don't think it was like a, a defining moment because um, the game was out of hand. Okay. But I mean, he he was like 30 feet away and it was you could see him sort of like is it going to be a bad look if I take this shot and then he took it and he missed it badly and everyone was kind of like oh that was ugly but I mean like what are you gonna do it's garbage time yeah. uh, uh, Hendo didn't look like he was thrilled with the shot but 
you know, there were 30 seconds left in a 25-point game. It wasn't so, that big of a deal. So does it feel like we have clarity on this? I mean, uh, not that we need As to much as we're going to. Yeah. I mean, Hendo has made it clear I am not budging from yeah. this guy's not in the rotation anymore. Um, I have been told uh, by someone clo- pretty close to the team that the door is open for Noah to come back next year and reclaim an actual role on the team. Do I expect that to happen? No, I don't. I think the, you know, the bridge has been burned or whatever, you know, maybe from both ends. You know, the door may be open from the team standpoint. You know, would Noah want to come back again after this year? I mean, you know, I certainly don't want to suggest that Hendo has screwed Noah. I don't think he has based on what I've been told and what I know about the situation. And I don't know if Noah, you know, fully feels like he's getting screwed here, but, um, you know, he only has so many years to play college basketball, and this one has been essentially burned. Um, does he want to come back into that situation again next year, knowing that, you know, if he does one thing that the other coach that the coach doesn't like, that suddenly he's he's gone again? Especially when obviously he's going to have other opportunities. You know, we've heard whispers about USD, about Augustana, about some other places. I mean, who knows? Um, it probably at this point is is best for all parties if you know he moves on and gets a fresh start somewhere else. I don't know, um, but. You know, to answer your question, is there clarity? As, as much as we can get right now, I think this is going to continue to be a story until either next year he is, hey, I'm I'm a jackrabbit again, or he's moves on and goes somewhere else. Publicly, do you think we'll ever know exactly why the he just all of a sudden was not allowed to play anymore? I think only if Noah himself decides he wants to talk about it at some point. Mm. I mean, and that's you know, I think Hendo does deserve credit for. It's obvious that. You know, Noah did something to to break his rules or whatever. But but you know, Hendo has maintained a positive outlook on Noah at least publicly. He's continued to say, you know, we're in his corner. He's our guy. We like him. You know, and he, he, I've you and I and other people have said, geez, if 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 you're not gonna play him, just kick him off the team. And Hendo has made very clear he's not gonna do that. Why not? Um, well, I mean, what does that do other than just shit on Noah? You know. I mean, now, if, if he was, like, such a toxic person that you, they had to get rid of him, then you would do that. And I think this says that he isn't, you know. And and we've talked about that on here before, too. Like, yeah, sometimes you look over and he doesn't look like the happiest camper in the world, but why would he? For the most part, he seemed to be pretty engaged. He's continued to go to practice. And, you know, he was ready when he finally got his name called the other night in Denver. So, um and and I think also, like I said, if if you if you do kick Noah off the team, all it does is hurt Noah. You know, it doesn't it doesn't really help the team if he isn't causing yeah. problems. Because right. um, he can't go anywhere right now. If you do kick him off the team, it's not like he can go play for Briar Cliff or you know something like that. Like he's still just going to be sitting there doing nothing. Yep. So I think that's part of it. Is I think even if Hendo had decided and just wasn't telling anyone that yeah he's done, he's never going to play for us ever again, which he hasn't. But if he had. I think he still is like trying to at least somewhat do right by Noah by by keeping him on the team so that he'll okay. have a better chance to go somewhere yeah. else if that's what he decides he wants to do. It's and yet he you said it feels like there's an invitation to come back next year, even though it likely won't be in a. Do you feel like there's any opportunity for Noah? It, like okay, there's there's it feels like there's a spot if he wants a scholarship next year at South Dakota State. You've mentioned there are going to be other suitors, and those will probably be more appealing to him and everybody involved for a clean break and move on. But would do you feel like if he were to uh, take that because uh, it's there that there'd be a chance for him to come back to a prominent role or? 
I mean, or, I'm, or, like I said, I'm told that door is open, or at least that it hasn't been fully closed. And that's the, uh, the what thing I'm saying. If, well, okay, it's not just a, but I, but a role beyond the role he has now. Yeah, yeah. I don't I, like the, to go back. And I made sure starter. to ask the question in a way that it wasn't like, yeah. oh, he can just still be a scrub for you. You know, that's not yeah. in anyone's best interest. I don't think. Um, the thing you have to remember, and, and you know, we maybe haven't done as good a job as we should of of talking about this or keeping it as part of the conversation is this is a kid who left the left school because he said he was dealing with mental health issues and you know we can sit here and speculate that yeah he's going to go to usd or he's going to go to augustana or whatever he's going to do like think about it from the standpoint of someone who you know took the took the uh risk i guess or you know came out and told everyone hey you know i'm dealing with are you listening to me or not yes i am (laughs) Don't worry, I'm listening. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm addressing something we are about to address. Um, it's, I've got a method to my madness here. Okay, well, if you're someone who's dealing with anxiety, as he says he is, transferring to USD seems like something that would cause potentially more anxiety. Now, I'm speculating a little bit there, but, like, you know, the idea that this is just some easy thing that, you know, whenever the season ends or whatever, Noah can just kind of, this is what I'm going to do or that's what I'm going to do. Like, you have to consider the things he's dealing with personally and emotionally that that will affect that. You know, deciding where you are going to go to school, where you're going to play college basketball, especially on a stage like this, this is Division One. you know, that can heavily impact your mental health, your mental state, all those things. So, you know, I think it's a little bit foolish for us to, to act like, oh, well, you know, after the year, Noah's just going to have all these options and he's going to do whatever. I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it. And, and I think for that reason, it's maybe not a good idea to, to try to speculate what he might do because we don't know what he's going through. Fair, and I appreciate that perspective. I think it is a psychologically uh, delicate and yet fascinating topic, and that includes from Hendo's angle as well, where he's put his foot down, clearly uh, a line was crossed, and it's not going back. And yet there, he still clearly cares about the kid. Yes. And even uh, if not wants him back next year, at least has an invitation and a spot that I feel like is, I feel like Hendo is a genuine dude. And that's not that's not a that's not an empty or disingenuine sort of gesture for both toward Noah personally and publicly. What are you laughing about now? I, I don't know if it's because it's so dead in here, but it feels like you're shouting at me from two feet away. You're talking so loud. Okay. But I think maybe it's just because there's nobody in here. It's probably because like I have headphones on as well. <laughs> I usually only have head like earbuds on, and I have headphones, and that just I, turns... I'm just like concerned for the well-being of the other patrons in here. Yes, it is. <laughs> by the way, by the way, it's, we are recording at 2.19 p.m., And everyone is hearing every single word John is saying. Was everybody looking this way? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I guess they uh, they're getting the conversation whether they like it or not. All right. Well, we're giving away our material. I'll turn my voice and my mic down. It, it, it is well. It's, it's it's an interesting dynamic because it's two twenty. It is a dead part of the day for most bars. And yes, sometimes we're here like a little earlier and it's busier. And yeah, yes, yeah, we, yeah. we are also in between lunch and uh, the happy hour. It's very like it. It's not just that you're talking loud. It's it's eerily quiet it's in here right now. It's the time of day. I know. I know. It's the time of day that I like going to bars. It, like where there's no. I like it when there's nobody there. It's kind of like I kind of like going to baseball games too when. Uh, you know, it's a night of the week or a time when nobody's there for the peace and quiet of it all <laughs> in a public place. What's so funny? No, I just, like, I noticed it about 10 minutes ago okay. and then started paying closer attention to the volume of your voice. I'm like, yeah, he's screaming right now. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a different recording scenario. I have, like, professional broadcasting headphones that I use to call games well, they on. They must be good headphones. And maybe, 
I guess so, yes. Because uh, it comes in loud in my ears and then I talk. It's okay. I get this at home all the time. I get, I, I get the you comment. You have a radio voice. I get yeah. the comment, I'm right here all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert says that all the time. That's, I'm right here. That's funny. <laughs> Uh, okay. I'll start using that. That can be our little. If I, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, our code for you're, you're talking plenty loud. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Coyote Eric, this is what I was doing while you were uh, getting concerned that I was not paying attention. Is um, I was going to bring. You, know, you were we, texting someone. Great. No, yeah. It's, it's Coyote Eric. <laughs> no, this is for the podcast. I told you this is for the podcast. I don't care. You were texting someone. So I was, I was right. Coyote, you weren't paying any attention. I was texting Coyote Eric because this is the next thing I was going to. No, literally, I was like, okay, we've covered the Noah thing, the Jacks thing. Spit it out. What did Coyote Eric what's say? What's going on? And I said, uh, we talked about the Yotes last week, and, uh, and, and Coyote Eric heard us talking about the Yotes. I mentioned that I wanted to get a hold of him before we did, and I didn't, and then we talked about them. And then he, you know, then he did his Coyote Eric thing and had a, and had a long text, and here it is. And, uh, and also, before I tell you what it is, he was literally texting us, uh, and te- or texting me an hour ago, are you guys recording again soon? So I was just telling him, yes, we're literally doing that right now. And so here's what he had to say uh, about the Yotes. He said, I listened to the, sh- this is last week, he said he listened to the show. Um, uh, what I feared would happen when remembering the epic State versus the U women's basketball final from 2019, when State won and USD got the at-large berth. So that was the year USD was the number one seed. They were, if not the dominant, the convincing number one, but the Jackrabbits did their thing in the Summit League tournament knocked them off. Mm-hmm. But USD was good enough to get an at-large bid for the first time ever in the Summit League. He, he says, everyone forgets. He just wanted to clean this item up because I mentioned how the Jacks did it to them again. Mm-hmm. They got the better of them. Don Plitzoway was crying afterwards. Uh, and he said, remember, Kara Duffy sprained her ankle three minutes into that game. Score was literally five to four. USD hit a layup. She sprained the ankle. It was showing bruises. Blah blah blah. Uh, Tried to come back and couldn't. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And so that's a that's the big reason, if not the main reason, why the SDSU was able to win that game, and at that time maintain their Summit League tournament dominance. Of course, we know USD won the league, uh, the the league and the tourney the next year. Uh, she said, then add they win it all the next year and had a team that absolutely could have won one or two more games and the tournament gets canceled. Mm-hmm. They were like ranked 11th in the country. Yep, very yeah. fair. They were 30 and two. And by the way, part of me says that's actually for the better. They finished the rare time where a team like that gets to finish on a winning note because how whenever and however they would have lost. Would have been heartbreak. Would would have been mm. heartbreaking. And are you suggesting that's more heartbreaking than not getting to go to the NCAA tournament I'm and find out how good point. you could be? Very like, fair point. I am yes. I'm not too prideful to admit that's a good point. Uh, that's a good counter. I hear what you're point. saying, but yes. like yeah. But they did kind of get to finish with a fairy tale ending. Well, the thing was the previous the previous the year SDSU had gone to the Sweet 16 and yeah. been the first team ever to do that, yes. and USD was well positioned to do the same thing. Yeah. And they never got the chance to. Very fair. And then. I, if you ask USD fans, rubbed salt in the wound after the uh, tournament got canceled, um, basically because we were just looking for content for the sports section. So I wrote a column saying, like, who's the better team, the 2019 Jacks or the 2020 Yotes? And I sided with the Jacks. I was like, they went to the Sweet 16. No one else has ever done that. Uh, And, you know, I got letters from USD fans saying I was the worst human being that was ever born for writing that. Wow. Although to this day, I I stand by it. Did we do that on the radio? We should have done that. I'm sure we talked about it because, yeah, yeah, it was a column I wrote. Yeah, that's a good idea. But, you know, but I, I, 
even though I stand by what I wrote, I totally understand why USD fans are mad. They were literally robbed of the chance to find out. Yeah. You know, it's not like they lost in the second round and could, you know, have some excuse to rationalize. Well, we would have won if, well, Kira Duffy hurt her leg. There was nothing. They just didn't even get a chance, you yeah. know. Yep. Uh, so he goes on, Coyote Eric, about the state of the USD men's basketball program, which we touched upon, uh, not just for this season, which obviously they're about a 500 Summit League team, at one point had a six-game winning streak, and have been without A.J. Plitzel-White, who's going to be their best player. And, and their other uh, best player transferred. He yes. Stanley Muda could still be there. So uh, what Coyote Eric says uh, is, it's a little frustrating to watch us not really see a whole lot of growth in the program since Craig Smith. Because I had mentioned on the last podcast, and yes, I'm impartial to Craig Smith. He was an assistant at Nebraska. I had beers with him after their big win over Wisconsin that clinched the NCAA tournament in 2014, right before he took the USD job. Uh, But in Craig's first season, Coyote Eric says, I believe Tyler Hagedorn was injured, and they literally had so many injuries they were playing with six guys. They weren't putting guys at the free throw lanes, rebounding to save their legs. Todd Lee has had some terrible luck. Last year's team was great, and they had a chance to win the Summit League tournament, but then A.J. Plitzowite blows out his knee Mm -hmm. the weekend before the tournament. Mm -hmm. Dislocated knee, three torn ligaments, 15-month recovery. It always has been. Then Kyle Eric mentions you. He says, Zimmer goes on the show, I think he means our show, and says there was hope that he might play this season. Based on what, triple X uh, question mark? It's always been a full year out of basketball. I didn't know that. Then the grad transfer they bring in to take his place as a veteran leader, as you just mentioned, gets uh, leg cancer in August. At leg cancer and is unable to play this season. You can't make this stuff up. So put that together with Stanley Amudi grad transferring. It's very hard to blame Todd Lee for what's happening this season. The team is young. They've shown some growth without AJ. In theory, AJ comes back next season, and this young team has more confidence scoring and with another year of growth, and they are probably or they are ready to contend. The flip side, though, is that SDSU has been Friedel and hasn't missed a beat. So they're obviously doing something correct in their recruiting. Speaking, oh, okay. Any, okay, before we get to his thoughts on Friedel, any thoughts on all that? I don't disagree with any of it. Okay. Speaking of Friedel, the reason he went to SDSU is because he got released from Wright State. USD wanted to him to walk on his first season because they had given their only remaining scholarship to A.J. Plitzowite. SDSU had that scholarship open. You mentioned this. Because Caleb Grill Caleb left. Grill. Yep, yep. Bingo. With UNLV with TJ Otzelberger. So he took the money. Hard to blame him. I have also heard the rumors. Uh, Noah took the money as in the scholarship. Right, right, right. right. I have also heard the mutters, the rumors he will be transferring to USD. No clue if Todd Lee wants that headache, though. Kind of uh, making it. Okay. I mean, again, this is Coyote Eric talking. Kind of like making a deal with the devil. He might win more games and gain a new contract, but does he have an inter- uh, does he inherit a ton of problems? Anyway, those are all the thoughts from the Coyote side of things from Coyote Eric, who's. Yeah, I mean, I've, I feel like I've been pretty team Todd Lee since he's been there. I, you know, yeah, I had forgot about the, um, I don't remember the kid's name, but the transfer who got cancer and had to quit, you know, before he even got to play that, like he said, you can't make that kind of thing up. Uh, the Plitzowite thing, I I guess if someone reported that he wasn't for sure not going to play this year, I don't remember reading it, but that could be, but that doesn't change anything. He's right. I mean, that's, you know, 
their two best players could have been on the team this year, and obviously things would have been a lot different. Yeah. So Todd Lee's gotten some bad luck. He, he does not have the depth, and that goes into a lot recruiting and having a factory that SDSU has had for men's basketball going back 10 years to when Scott Nagy got it rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be frank, uh, the two things to me that separate Craig Smith from Todd Lee from my own perspective is, uh, again, Craig's a shinier personality that 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 uh, enhances perception. Beyond that, uh, they did win a Summit League regular season title. That's rather legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was TJ's first year, and that was the one year that SDSU was kind of ripe for the taking, and they still beat SDSU in the Summit t- semifinals and won the tourney. Well, Craig... <laughs> Michael Craig, Orris. Cra- what? Michael Orris. Yes. The shot. Craig, the, uh, has, Craig did not have the bad luck that Tudley has had. Uh, with a thinner roster, and and he had Matt Mooney. Matt Mooney's been the best player USD has had mm-hmm. probably ever. Uh, you know, as far as talent He's in goes, in the NBA, Division mm-hmm. One. You know, and and it's a credit to Craig Smith. Craig Smith got Matt Mooney to come there and transfer there, so he deserves credit for that. But that's basically you take. This is a ridiculous thought because Matt Mooney's a big. You take him out of the equation. It's a lot of this. You know, it's kind of the same results, and that's that's a, that's right. a testament to how one player can make a difference. Well, but also for Matt Mooney transferred too. Went to Texas Tech and got to the national championship game. I mean, and I'm not criticizing Matt Mooney for leaving or USD for quote-unquote losing Matt Mooney, yeah. but if he had chosen to stay, you know, who knows what would, what he would have done with it, another year at USD. He would have made a pretty great year for Todd Lee as a first-year coach. Yeah. Uh, and by the, and one other thing is uh, you would know more about the reality of this. From my perception, kudos to Todd Lee. His best recruiting job at USD uh, is, was keeping Stanley Amude for at least one more year. <laughs> I mean, his, his, his technical senior season beyond the extra year that he got from the NCAA. Stanley um, was thinking about transferring. Yeah. We thought he was transferring. and Bringing over A.J. Plitzewhite, too. I mean, I don't know. Did Craig not think A.J. was good enough? Because he went to Augie, won the NSIC Freshman of the Year, Fair question. and goes straight to USD and is immediately one of the best guards in the Summit League. Yeah. Okay, so there we go. I think we can all agree Todd Lee's a good coach, and... Uh, and he's had some bad luck, and so uh, we'll uh, we'll see what kind of a showing the the Coyotes can make at the Summit League tournament. All right, we've got uh, I don't know 15 or 20 more minutes left. Uh, the Vikings. We are do. Gonna, well, if you don't want to, that's <laughs> fine. Ha, has, has my voice toned down in the last five minutes? <laughs> Just trying to think of something else I can give you shit I've for. I've made a conscious effort to do so. Oh, you <laughs> would never do that. No. Uh, well, um, I don't know. How about that Super Bowl A? What'd you think of it? It was a good game. It was a good game. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, disappointed the Bengals didn't win. I thought they were gonna at the end when they, the Rams left them a couple. You know, what was it like a minute ten or something? But they only needed a field goal. Had a couple timeouts. I thought the Bengals were gonna go down and and either tie it and send it to OT or win the game. And disappoint. It was a very anticlimactic ending. It was just like, oh, I guess that's it. Um, but otherwise, it was a good game. It's weird what you just said comes back full circle with the Bengals. You were talking about this last week when they had last been in the Super Bowl, and that was the famous game. It was Joe Montana's biggest moment uh, of one of the most legendary football yeah, careers Yeah, it could have been almost history. the identical finish, same score and it, everything. It defined yeah. Joe Montana. He had already won a couple of Super Bowls, but uh, to have to, back in 1988, the way football was and the NFL was, the rules were, the way the game was, 
to go 92 yards in less than two minutes was a goddamn miracle. Mm -hmm. And he did it in the Super Bowl. Now it's commonplace. The rules are set up to where you can't touch the quarterback, you can't touch the receivers. And we almost expect teams, especially in big games where there's a halfway decent quarterback, that they're just going to do it. They can go. The idea of a two minute offense is almost hilarious. It is hilarious. Two minutes is a million years now in today's NFL. It's nothing to throw three or four Uh 15, 20 yard passes and at least get in field goal range. Uh, But back then it was like, he, like, he, that was like the that was like the most clutch thing you'd ever seen in NF, literally in NFL at least Super Bowl history what Joe Montana did on that 92 yard drive and so when the when Joe Burrow and the Bengals still had a minute ten on the clock I was thinking well that's standard in pro that's plenty mm-hmm. of time in pro mm-hmm. Tom Brady mm-hmm. did it in 30 seconds well, yeah, the and, and they only needed a field goal yeah um, and. Uh, you know, and everything can be debated about and polarized now in sports and politics. Some people have said, I've heard some people say this is one of the greatest Super Bowls they've ever seen. I've heard people say it really wasn't that good of a game. It was kind of boring. There were there weren't very many big plays outside of the one big play. The the t- it was. I, I definitely yes. wouldn't put it up with like some of the greatest Super Bowls would, of all time. I mean, just it was just. A good competitive game, you know, know, kept your interest. Would I rather have that like forty-three thirty-eight Eagles Patriots shootout in the dome a few years ago in Metrodome or uh, the new Viking Stadium? I'd probably prefer that style. I don't mind a game every now and then that has a few punts and a little bit air tightness to it, where the defense makes it so you, you have you have to earn it. You have to mm-hmm. earn your yards mm-hmm. and your opportunities to score. Yeah, the twelve-three or whatever we had a few years ago that was pretty awful. I don't want but, that. Right. This is kind of in between those two, and yeah. that was it. Was fine. It, it, it was close enough to keep your attention. Uh, did you? Th- I mean, I don't know. Did you think uh, the Bengals got robbed of that holding call? No, late? no. I thought most of the calls at the end were pretty legit. I loved how the refs let him play. That holding call was inconsistent with how they let him play, but I still think the Bengals did enough to lose and the Rams did enough to win. Uh, and uh, and then and then the fun topic off of this is go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say the Bengals, Eli Apple, and who was the other guy? Like, quit grabbing him. Yeah. You know. Right. Also, cover Cooper Cup. He has 160 catches this year, and he's running free in the end zone with yeah. the game on the line. He's what the fuck you doing? He's all they had. That's where you go. Okay, you can as a Vikings fan now because you said you'd keep a little bit of an eye or have a little bit of a thought of the Rams' offensive coordinator, even though he doesn't call the plays, is uh, the new Vikings head coach. In fact, as we're recording, uh, we're an, about an hour and a half away from the press conference to introduce Kevin O'Connell. Oh, really? We are. Yes, it's a four o'clock presser. Um, uh, We'll get to that in a moment. He, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I've heard the case from those who commentate on the Vikings that, uh, again, understanding that Sean McVay calls the plays. I made sure to do my own research, read the Los Angeles Times. Kevin Mc, uh, Sean McVay calls the plays, but O'Donnell's a part of the, O'Connell's a part of the game planning process and decision making within the game. The, do do you think it was impressive? How much credit would you give? Uh, McVeigh and O'Connell, the new Vikings coach, on that last drive, the game-winning drive, that Odell Beckham's injured. Your only option is Cooper Cup, and uh, they just they kept finding ways uh, and to to make plays to some. Cooper Cup. I get. I mean, I'll tell. You, I'll admit. First of all, it's not like I was paying that close of attention. I was half in the bag. You but, were at a Super Bowl party. Uh, yeah, yeah, me yeah. too. Me um, too. It's, I was too. Um, but like, like I said, I was more struck by. <laughs> By the like, how are you not uh, the ineptitude of the Bengals defense? Like, what are you doing, Cooper? They're gonna throw, they yeah. want to throw it to Cooper Cup every single play, yeah. and it's it, okay. You don't want to double team him or whatever. Fine, but like literally, that he just that the touchdown. He just ran the most basic, just up and out route, and it was like, yeah. what did they just think they? Uh, I was flabbergasted by how they just didn't cover him. 
Like, I could have covered him. I mean, I would have got beat, and he would have caught the ball, but I would have tried to cover him. Like, yeah. nobody – they just let him go. Like, I, it, it, I don't understand. It did make sense. The, the Bengals' secondary – uh, was their second weak spot only to their offensive line, and they both reared their ugly head on the Rams game-winning drive with Cooper Cup, as you mentioned, and also with Aaron Donald. I mean, he's one of the best defensive players in the history of the game, but he, the, the, the Bengals' offensive line was a sore spot, and uh, it, it, it finally got to Joe, the, the, guy, the quarterback that, had, that won a game in which he was sacked nine times against Buffalo and sacked seven times against the Rams, got past midfield, chance to win. Finally, the Bengals... Offensive line reared its ugly head, and the and the Rams won the game. Uh, but that, but again, I've heard I, I've heard Vikings rubes at least kind of conjecture that. Wow, what a job they did to this Rubik's cube to sure. figure out how to score points without Odell Beckham. Uh, you know, on that final drive when it mattered the most. Sure. It also goes to Matthew Stafford, though. Do, do, is your thoughts on Matthew Stafford different from what they were now that he's led a game-winning Super Bowl drive? No, he's always been a borderline elite quarterback. You could see that even with the, with the Lions, that he was a great player, or at least a good player, on a bad team. And I never disliked him. Good for him. He's got a ring. Yeah. It, you know, that, I know there's been a little debate the last couple of days, is he a Hall, Hall of, of Famer, Famer now? Like, probably. You know, the, NF, the, the bar of entry for the NFL Hall of Fame is pretty low compared to other sports. Um, I think he'll, he's probably a Hall of Famer at this point. I go back to uh, Eli, Eli Manning. Uh, if Eli Manning gets in, he does – he, Eli Manning should get in. He's got not just the two rings, but he threw for a zillion yards. I well, mean, and he and he. Terrell Davis is in the Hall of Fame. He had yeah. two good seasons. Right. You know. I mean. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to stat, when it comes to Eli, Man- Eli Manning was a 500 quarterback. I don't I don't necessarily attach completely your win loss record, but I think part of that matters. Most people would admit he was a barely better than mediocre quarterback most of the time of his career, but in big moments he shined and he beat the Patriots. Well, twice and also longevity longevity is part of it too. Absolutely. You know. And Stafford has been playing a, a team in an organization. You play long enough to be on the top ten of all the all-time stats, then that that means something. Yes, and There's, Stafford has that going for him, and he did play with. Well, I was talking about Eli Manning, but okay. Matt Stafford, Stafford too. Especially, oh. he's not done yet. He's going to be very high on the it, list. Yeah, Stafford keeps you know playing with the Rams and posting whatever he's been posting. Uh, all through his career, including yeah, he's with the Rams, have 50, yards he'll be and, top ten in all those stats. Yeah. Then it's hard to keep him out. But also, he was with the. I think we can agree. The Lions have been the worst NFL organization right. for most of our lives. And maybe the worst sports organization. Them yeah. versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. And he took them to the playoffs a couple times. He did, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think this does, I mean, it's an extreme going from one thing to the other. But, yeah, give him a few weapons and a great team. And, yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, and because I, to me, because Eli Manning gets in, even though he has one more ring, uh, Stafford gets in as well. Uh, by the way, I was your Super Bowl party. Because you tweeted about this. Uh, we were both at Super Bowl parties. You were with your family. I was with a bunch of friends. And full disclosure, it was uh, a bunch of my a bunch of my gay friends gay in friends. Sioux Falls. Nobody there. I, 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 so you know, no one was actually watching the game? I was the only person watching the game. In fact, literally at halftime when uh, you know all, the, all of them, Eminem and Mary J. Blige came out, uh, the guy throwing the party uh, yelled as people were, you know, just – blabbing as they had been and partying and drinking the whole night. Hey, this is what we all came here for. (laughs) The halftime show. Uh, You were at one where uh, it was not a bunch of gay people. It was a (laughs) bunch of straight people. How do you know? Watching sports. Well, we never really know. Uh, And 
They want and and, and your uh, your dad I was just making a, I was making an, a joke at my dad's ex- expense. Yeah, I know. It was not a bad Super Bowl party. It wasn't even really a Super Bowl party. It was more like a family gathering. But no, it was um, one, you, you made one point, and that was because well, was, so we get there and the game starts at what like five thirty. Yeah. And we got there about three thirty, and we're all just kind of sitting around munching on you know all, everyone brought something, and just socializing, having a family get together. Yeah. And around like four, four thirty is around the time I'm like, okay, it's time to tune in for the pregame show because I, I don't watch like the whole day of pregame oh, stuff like that's dumb. But once it gets to be about half hour, hour before kickoff, that's when they start actually talking about the game in earnest and yeah. sort of doing what they would do every week. And that's about the time I'm like, okay, come time to start getting into football mode here. And uh, <laughs> so we go downstairs, and my dad's watching this golf tournament. Which, from I heard, it was a pretty entertaining. It was it a good, was. and it went down to the wire. It ended up going to a, sh- a shootout playoff. or whatever they call it, a playoff. Yeah. Playoff, thanks. And uh, he, he, it's getting closer, and I start like, so, Dad, uh, is this going to be over in time for the game? And he's like, oh, it'll be over in plenty of time for the game. And I'm kind of thinking, okay, but, like, I don't mean, like, are you going to turn it over, like, right before kickoff? Like, I kind of want to be done with golf here pretty soon. But it's also, it's my dad's house, you know, and I, you know, doing a – when I was younger, I would have been more of a dick. I'd have been more like, hey, asshole, change the channel. But, you know, I'm 42 years old. He's 60-something. Like, I don't want to be the same snot-nosed punk I would have been before. So I just didn't say anything. And then it gets to the end. I was like, is this going to go to a playoff? And he's like, I hope so. And I'm like, god damn it. He hopes and so? That's what he said. Well, he was enjoying watching it. I know. And also, you could tell he didn't give two shits about the Super Bowl. Like, he was just, you know, you know, <laughs> we're going to sit down here, whatever. So... We get to like 10 minutes before kickoff, and that's the other, like, I do, we talked about this a little bit last week, like, I like the commercials, that part of it too, yeah. and I intentionally avoided all, like, the spoilers on the internet, I hadn't seen any of the Super Bowl commercials, and I know some of them start before the game even starts, so it gets to be about 10, 15 minutes cl- close to kickoff, I'm like, okay, this is where the official Super Bowl event stuff has yeah. begun, whether it's whoever sings the national anthem, you know, the pregame stuff, who are the experts picking to win the game. Like, this is what I want to be watching now. And my dad is still watching this goddamn golf tournament. And on top of that, my two brothers-in-law that were there wouldn't know, you know, a football from a foot pedal. And they're sitting in the room, and they're like, they're all in this golf. Like, geez, that was a great shot. And I'm just sitting here going, God damn it, I'm the only one who wants to watch this fucking football game. So I just quietly decide to bite the bullet, and I go upstairs into the kitchen and it's uh my stepmother jen and my two sisters all just gabbing about woman stuff eating and the tv this like little 13 inch tv but guess what's on that 13 inch tv the football so i'm like okay i don't care the 90 inch tv downstairs is watching golf i'm gonna come up here and just quietly so i turn up the volume a little bit i'm just sitting there in a kitchen chair like watching the football stuff now this is still pregame stuff yes yes and trish looks over at me and she goes is your dad watching golf and i'm like yep and I didn't say anything like that that made me – I just go, yep. And so I'm sitting there watching the pregame show, and I'm pretty sure at some point Trish went downstairs and, like, whispered to my dad, like, Matt's upstairs right now because you're watching golf. Like, he just decided to quietly leave the room because next thing I know, I come downstairs, and they're all watching football, and the golf isn't over yet. I checked on my phone, like, on Twitter. Golf was still going, and now they're – so then I kind of felt like an asshole because I was like, well, if you want to watch golf, watch golf. And, I a, did, and a passive-aggressive asshole at I that. guess so, yeah. But I was just trying to be a nice guy like I didn't want to be it's not my house I'm not who am I to tell you what you're supposed to be watching so I just was like trying to quietly watch the pregame show but anyway uh, so he had switched back to football so I came down watched and I happily watched football and 
See, did anyone say anything about it? No, I was the only one who gave a shit. Yeah. Literally, the only person in the entire building who cared. No, but did anyone did anyone seem like uh, regretful that they didn't get to see the end of the of golf? the golf? I mean, maybe they did. I didn't come down until okay. anyway. I mean, they got so when I saw your tweet, I thought uh, that it, they were still watching it while the Super Bowl had already kicked off. I, th- I think didn't it end before the game actually kicked off? I don't know. Like it came I wasn't right down. It. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I'm a big golf fan, and I did watch. I watched about an hour's worth of this golf. It's the Phoenix Open. It's got some of the biggest. Rowdiest crowd. I was going to say that's what my dad was telling me. He was like, "This is one of the funnest and, events because and it's, uh, yeah. you know, without without going into the woods on this, like it, 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 there were three or four guys in contention to win the last few holes. It was very dramatic and entertaining. One of them had the gallery on his side, a young upstart, and, uh, and uh, anyway, but even me, okay, we're a twenty-five minute drive from the party we're going to. Mm-hmm. I I knew that after watching this golf and enjoying it. For an hour or so, that Gibber and I were going to leave, and I was going to miss it. Right. I just was not going to get to watch the end, and I certainly fucking knew (laughs) that we were going to get to our party Uh uh, with people who I shouldn't even mention it was a a bunch of gay people because now I'm stereotyping, even though the stereotype was true. That (laughs) we're going to get there, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes before the game. They're watching the Super Bowl. They're watching the commercials. They're watching the national anthem. We're going to watch the game, even though they're not going to watch the game. They're there Mm -hmm. to watch that. That's what's going to be on the TV. But it's going to be on TV. I'm not going to get to see the dramatics and the theatrics of the end of this great golf tournament and I was accepted that so I got a chuckle like I don't know second quarter when I go to the bathroom during a commercial that at your house (laughs) people were prioritizing some people were still prioritizing the awesome golf did you by the way see this is a good litmus test of the, the the moment of that entire golf tournament that that I don't know how viral it went did you see the guy who hit the hole in one and beer cans started flying. It was like on Saturday, place. right? It was on Saturday. My dad told yes. me about it. I did okay, not see it. You never saw it. Oh. Uh, because that is like the the Phoenix Open is famous. It's got like the biggest st- – there's one hole. It's a par three. It's a short hole. And it's got like 20,000 people there. It is literally a stadium. Yeah. Uh, from like the horseshoe around the entire hole. And uh, and it's, you know, and rarely does anybody hit a hole in one on that thing. So mm-hmm. somebody did on Saturday – and the whole drunken – this is known as the most drunken golf tournament of the year. Because of that hole, somebody did hit the hole-in-one, and beer splashed everywhere. And then, like, we're talking hundreds of beer cans flew everywhere onto the green. And it was like this big delay. Do you think that's cool and golf needs more of that? Yeah. Or you do? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Or like, but uh, that's not going to be enough for me to turn off the Super Bowl to watch it. <laughs> no, I, I'm not saying I know. that. Would it make you want to watch golf if golf had more of those kind of uh, theatrics? Maybe. I've already found myself being a little more open to watching golf than I used to be, which is just a sure wow. sign that I'm getting, getting older. Getting old. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, yeah, that would make it more palatable to me. I mean, you know, I enjoy uh, the movies Happy Gilmore and Tin Cup, both in large part because the theme is lighten up golf. You yeah, know, that's kind of very, you know, very, right. very right. unrealistic scenes. Right, right. right. Uh, that uh, well, certainly Happy Gilmore, but even yeah. yeah. Well, Tin Cup's incredibly unrealistic. Like some guy's gonna just keep standing there yeah. until he runs out of yeah. balls, yeah. and then all of a sudden. But other than that, it's a pretty. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah, but that is you mentioned the the, the the character being a guy who's like you know, 
you mentioned your age. It comes full circle to turning 42 today. Like, you, I, I, it struck me how you mentioned, because I go through a lot of moments like this at 43 in the last few years in my 40s, because the numbers do, no matter what people say, the numbers do matter. I do wake up every day and I realize I am I am 43, <laughs> and I never thought I would ever be 43. <laughs> I never wanted to be 43, <laughs> and it's it's only getting better. It's only getting worse. I'm only going to keep getting older yep. and looking worse, no matter what I do and try to keep it down. And but but with that comes, as you said, that moment where you you held back from telling the whole room your true thoughts, <laughs> and a younger you would have said something douchebag that wouldn't care. Let, let bygones be bygones. And uh, th those kind of things happen to me all the time. Uh, where why, why do we do that? Why do we now hold back at this age? Of, uh, In of this particular case, I think I was trying to be more respectful to my dad and the fact that I was a guest in his house, whereas, you know, before I would have felt more like, fuck you, you're my dad, do what I said. You know, like, I don't know. It's just, yeah. you know. And that just comes with age? I, I guess. I, I mean, guess. I just happens. All right. Happy birthday. Enjoy your evening. I will. Thanks, anything, Joe. Anything else you want to talk about? Nope. All right. Happy birthday. <laughs> Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Uh, yes. Yeah.